For more interviews with leading figures in Asia from the world of business and beyond, head to the App Store or Google Play to download the Tiger Hall app. Do you find yourself frequently scrolling through your Insta feed while you're supposed to be completing an important task at work? Is this a bad work habit you'd like to try and break? We're in the Tiger Hall with Clive Elul Hawthorne, VP of Sales and Marketing at Azurai Resorts and former regional director at Expedia Group. So Clive, we're all human. We all have bad habits. You have lived and worked across multiple industries around the world and you've been leading sales and marketing teams for the last decade. So I'm sure you've come across plenty of bad habits. So firstly, how can I identify my worst work habits? Having lived in uh, in multiple countries and, and worked in multiple industries, um, I've seen good habits at work and I've seen uh, bad habits at work. I've not just seen them, I've experienced them myself. And I think one of the messages that I have for people listening into this podcast is that it's very easy to fall into a bad habit. It's hard to break it, but with a couple of tips and tricks... Um, I'm going to try and uh, share some of my experiences that will help people kind of get get back on the right track. For me, one of the habits that I that I see, which is accelerated today by the technology we have, um, social media, you know, that kind of always on approach, is lack of focus. I think at work we sometimes tend to react a lot to to emails, to messages. In fact, I always say that you can walk into work. Switch, uh, switch your outlook on and do nothing but email all day. It's actually possible. But are you getting anything done? Are you working towards the company goals and objectives? Are you moving projects forward? Are you contributing to the, to the business? So we've created so much noise around businesses that I think sometimes it's, it's always helpful to ensure that we're managing them. So it's really important to ensure that we're managing these, uh, these tools rather than them managing us. So for me, something that I do is I, sw- I sometimes switch off the notifications, the push notifications on my phone, because if I need to get something done, I need an hour, an hour and a half of uninterrupted work. I might be working on an important press release. I might be working on preparation for an important review with one of my team members. And you can't do that if your phone is buzzing all the time, if emails are coming in, which uh, you feel compelled to, to respond to. Again, I've worked in travel tech before, so technology is really important. It really helped us uh, achieve things that we never thought possible. The most important thing is, is really to, to manage that. And I think, you know, leading on from, from that is um, our ability sometimes to set time aside to, to work on important stuff. I think people are very good at doing task lists and saying, these are five things that I need to achieve today. There's two problems with that. One is the priorities um, are always changing, especially for, let's say, a young manager that's just taken on a new team, first leadership role. They have their own priorities, and then they've got the priorities of their, of their team. So that, that prioritization list is always changing. And then, you know, the next thing is, of course, the, the ability to budget time and to actually allocate time for the most important things that you want to do. So that goes from task to priority to where am I going to put that in my calendar to be able to get that done? And that's something which I've, I've, I've always found is, is challenging to do, but once you get the hang of it and once you really make sure that you've, you've allocated that time to work on important things, then you can get a lot done. 
I'm glad to hear you say that. We actually, we've actually had a lot of Tiger Hall experts say similar things, like blocking out time, turning off your technology, and just knuckling down for, for these pockets of time. Um, okay, so you are originally from Malta. You've lived and worked all over the world. I'm quite curious to know, are there any Asia-specific bad habits you've observed? I would kind of come back to what I said before around the fact that people are always on here. I think technology has played um, a much more important role here than in other parts of the world because in most countries um, it's been mobile first. Look at a country like China, which is probably the only country in the world where you can leave your house with only your mobile phone and be able to uh, pay for goods and services and be able to jump into into cars and taxis and, and, and really go, um, go about your, your life. So that's something that I that I see being kind of quite quite acute here and here in Asia. Then you couple that with the fact that traditionally in Asia people are indirect communicators. Having been in the region now for for five years, I think um, that is also stemming from the fact that in Asia trust is built over a longer period of time, and then it means more. I think in the West, in general, trust is built over a shorter period of time, and maybe doesn't mean as much to us as it does to the to the Asian community. So when you when you couple those two things together, it's become much easier for people to communicate through short messages, short videos. And I think that has kind of fueled a, a kind of a always on approach where people are, are, are reacting to messages constantly. Then the there's there's a social element of course for Again, I come back to young managers leading uh, leading teams for the for the first time. Uh, there's this whole woke culture that President Obama, I mean, spoke about. It's that everything is amplified under the lens of social media, and therefore, bonding and building uh, you know building teams in Asia requires a lot of time socially. And I think if you put all of that into the mix, uh, the workplace has changed a lot and has taken, I think, some focus away from getting getting stuff done. I'm wondering if you can help me <laughs> fix one of my bad work habits. I'll try. I, <laughs> so I mentioned at the beginning, scrolling through my Insta feed. I know that one of my worst habits is procrastination. If I've got something that I know is going to be difficult to tackle and it's going to take me a few hours, I tend to just push it down my to-do list. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And then all of a sudden a week has gone past <laughs> and I have not done it. How can I try and I don't know, change my mindset or get better at not procrastinating? I think that's a really good one. And we've all been there. What's interesting is there's a lot of studies done around the percentage of work done close to a particular deadline. And it's no surprise that the studies came out showing that a large percentage of work is done close to the deadline. And the reason for that is very simple, is when you need to achieve something by tomorrow, you're, you are laser focused on that particular project that you need to churn out, a particular assignment you need to do, a test you need to study for. So um, I come back to focus. What you've done probably is you've said, I've got a, um, something important to do by Monday. So you've blocked your Friday out just to get it done. The question there is, could you have blocked out a Wednesday two weeks before that to get that done in the same way by blocking off time um, maybe putting some white noise I mean, on your ears and, and, and just knuckling down and saying, I'm, I, I'm going to get this done. I'm just going to achieve this. So I think for me, there's, there, there's a sense of making sure that you allocate enough time also for contingencies, because you may take three or four hours and work on a project, and then you may need to revise that. You may need to align internally. So 
doing that last minute, of course, has its risks by maybe not delivering something that is 100% to your own satisfaction. So once again, it comes back to really blocking off your time, uh, putting that into the calendar, um, and then scheduling follow-ups. Um, let's say, for instance, if a project is due Friday, two Wednesdays before, you want to do maybe 80 or 90% of that work. And then you start to schedule some, some time in your calendar to review that with, with fresh eyes, or take some time to align with some colleagues or ask for some feedback. So in terms of my self-reflection, so say in three months' time, I want to have become much better at not procrastinating. Uh, do you have any sort of recommended courses of action for self-reflection in kicking these habits? Sure. I think habit building is one of the most important things that you can do both personally and professionally. And habit building is nothing more than leveraging the power of compounding. So uh, the way that I work is I set personal goals at the beginning of the year. And I actually use the OKR methodology uh, that I think John Durr uh, launched in 1992. I know Intel uh, uses it, Google. Uh, what is that? Um, so OKR is nothing more than objectives and key results. So I'll give you an example. Imagine if you wanted to get in better shape. So that would be your objective. Uh, get into the best shape of my life. You then need to measure that somehow. So how, what, what, so let's say, what, what, what kind of metrics or, or, or how do I know that I'm getting into the best shape of your life? Let's say you have one key result or two key results. You might say, um, get down to my ideal body weight of X. And then you list a set of initiatives that are going to help you get towards that, that goal. And that could include exercise twice daily, eat vegan, I mean, oh, twice a week. And you then track them over time. And that becomes your task or your habit. So there's a lot of apps out there, like habit logging apps. It could be a simple Excel spreadsheet. It could be a simple piece of paper. But if every week you're exercising twice and you're, 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 you're eating vegan maybe twice or three times a week, and you know that that is going to have a profound impact on your ability to hit that, then if every week you're, you're doing a rinse and repeat of the important initiatives, you're going to get your goal. Um, so that for me has always been quite, quite powerful in terms of taking that, that, that large objective and then breaking it down into, A, how do I measure it? How do I measure success? And then what are the initiatives and tasks that are kind of underneath that that I need to, to work on a regular basis with to be able to get to that particular goal? Mm. Can you think of any particular examples where you've seen someone kick a bad habit or you've perhaps helped them through it? Sure. Um, there was a situation with, uh, again, someone who uh, was, let's say, overcomplicating um, a lot of things. And I think it's very easy to overcomplicate. I think it's become very difficult in the, in the work environment to really simplify. And I actually worked with this, with this particular team member just to kind of, um, again, using that OKR framework, is that what are you trying to achieve? What are th three or four things that you, that you want to achieve? Rather than give him the answer, I've, I've, I introduced him to the OKR methodology. This person did some reading. Um, he came back with a, with a, I don't know, the first draft, which was good, but could have been much better. I, I pushed it back. I said, I think you need to think a little bit more. Gave him some, some guidance on things to think about. And uh, recently, we had a strategy presentation, and uh, this person presented back a set of objectives and key results that were really, really good. So it, it showed that through that methodology, he had really very, very quickly distilled what he had needed to do how he is going to measure that, and what are the, the, uh, the initiatives that are going to come underneath that to be able to achieve those, those goals. And what was his time frame for that? It was around three, four weeks. Okay, so that's quite, quite quick. 
Yeah. And essentially, it was nothing more than, I mean, again, I come back to the, to the focus. It's um, taking a bit of uninterrupted time and say, what do I want to achieve? And sometimes that's not clear. So I've been in a lot of updates or business reviews where you see a lot of um, wording on slides, which is quite, quite sloughy. And it's not because that person is not capable of delivering an update that is, that is specific. It's just because that thinking time was taken away. So for instance, for me, um, leading sales and account management teams and marketing teams, it's all about there's the number, what's the performance against the number. Why did we hit it? Did we do something well? Let's celebrate that. Or if we didn't hit it, why did we not hit it? And what are we doing about it? So something very, very simple in terms of framework. And you need to think about that to be able to, to delve into performance. And, and you know, there needs to be a, a, a bit of critical thinking that you, that you go through to get to that level of clarity. You can't do that if your phone is buzzing on one side, emails are coming in, someone is knocking on your door, team member wants a one-on-one. -on -one. That's why uh, that calendar management um, approach is, is so, so useful in getting some of these things done. Okay, we like to end all of our podcasts by asking for three actionable steps. Could you give me three steps that I can take after this podcast that's going to help me kick my bad work habit? The, uh, the famous power of three. I think that there's three, three, three questions to, to ask here. Firstly, uh, what do you want to achieve? What are your goals? What, what habits do you want to build? I'm trying to learn Mandarin. And it's a hard language to learn because Western languages are built very differently. So for me, it's, okay, I've got a goal that I want to learn, be, be fluent in Mandarin next five years. It's an interesting goal. I'm not sure if that's um, a demanding goal or if it's easy. Um, but I, I really have to break that down. And breaking that down means how many characters do I need to learn per day to start to get a grasp on the vocab? And then there's a number of initiatives that I need to do, like going to classes, like engaging, like, you know, putting that together. So I think for me, it's knowing what you want to achieve is step one. I think a lot of people are still not clear. And we can talk about both personal side and, and professional side. They're not really clear on what they want to achieve. Sometimes people join an organization, there's a lack of clarity in that organization, and they are unable, or, or maybe they don't comprehend, what am I here to do? You know, what's my, I mean, what's my objective? Personally, that is the same. Sometimes you need to think about um, where's the direction of your life headed, and what do you want to do about certain things? Are you happy with, with your health, with your finances? How do you take a step back, reflect, and think, where do I want to be when I'm 55? And then reverse engineer that and think, what, what habits do I need to put in place uh, today that will help me achieve my financial goals at 55, my health goals at 40? So I think that's, that's, that's very important. Second thing for me is the question, what is preventing you from excelling? What's, what's holding you back? Is it the wrong goal? Is it the wrong habit? Is it that um, you don't have the right support? And maybe that's something that I also wanted to touch upon a little bit. You can't do this alone especially within, within organizations, the world has become much more complex, technology, um, and, and having people that can guide and support you, ideally your, your, your manager should be 100% invested in this, if not it's a red flag. Peers who you respect, so people that you see in other divisions doing very well, you know, finding that time to go and say, I, I, mean, I see that you're really on top of stuff, how do you do it? Just going to them and trying to seek some advice, seeking out best practice, doing some research yourself as well, very, very important. So 
I think that's, that's very, very important to kind of factor, factor into the mix as well. Third one for me is, when did I most recently ask for feedback? Now, feedback, this is one that we could do an entire podcast on. Asking for feedback, again, depending on cultural nuances, can be seen as a strength and sometimes can be seen as a weakness, right? If you're asking me for feedback, it means that you don't know what you're doing. But I think as we learn more about the power of feedback and the power of, you know, someone being your, your sounding board and someone helping you with your, with your blind spots, I think feedback is something really important. So firstly, is when, did, uh, when did I most recently ask for it? Second, did I act on it? Because um, otherwise it's pointless to get feedback. If, if five people I mean, are, telling you, I mean, are telling me, for instance, Clive, you should speak up early. If you have a concern, you shouldn't let a lot of time pass. Just speak up early and, 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 and structure it in a way that can add value to the, to the business. If five people are telling me that, maybe there's a, there's a trend. That's something that I should look into. And then the third one, this is really important. Did I thank the person for giving me the feedback? For me, feedback is a gift. Now, you may not need to absorb 100% of what everyone tells you. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a, a structure of your own. Look for trends. If one person once randomly told you that you speak too fast, maybe that's not a trend. If 10 people over the past few weeks have said, I think you speak a little bit too fast. Can you, can you slow down sometimes? Um, I think that's, that's definitely a message to you know, to take into, into account. Yeah, we can't understand you. <laughs> so in addition to me trying to work on this myself, who else should I go out and try and get support from? I think firstly is you have to own the problem yourself. So aside from enlisting support, which is really important, you know, to have an accountability partner. Some people are lucky enough to have mentors in, a, um, in, a, in an organization. It's really critical to do the heavy lifting yourself. There is so much available out there that um, if you do a bit of research, there's a lot that you can read through and digest. I think um, aside from enlisting support, it's, it's really important to, to do the heavy lifting yourself. You, um, you're in control of your life and your career. There's so much material available when it comes down to researching uh, topics, topics on habit building, topics on time management, topics on, and there's thousands of techniques. And I think all of them can, um, can add some, some value. The, the one really interesting anecdote that I wanted to share with you, and some people may know this, uh, Bruce Lee was attacked when he was younger. And uh, he was practicing a particular type of martial arts. And he started to question if that particular type of martial arts was actually helping him to actually defend himself because he was attacked by a gang of, uh, of youths. So he took it upon himself to, um, to research other kinds of martial arts. And he read a lot and he did the homework. And he, he worked on the following three steps. One is he absorbed what resonated with him. The second, he rejected what didn't. Then the third is he added his own experience into the mix. And as a result, he became um, a much more accomplished person I mean, as a result of, of that. I think this is really interesting. This, this, this struck a chord with me because this links back to, to feedback, right? It's, he absorbed things that resonated with, uh, you know, with, with, with that particular kind of martial arts. He then rejected what he thought wasn't in line with his principles, but then also the most important thing is he added his own value on top of that. So that's something I think that we tend to miss, miss doing sometimes. The other piece I think is you have to act and the word execution keeps coming up and up. I think once, once you've set your goals and objectives, you have everything lined up, you should just go ahead and do it. 
And it won't be perfect in the beginning, but, you know, sticking with it, if you've got the right initiatives and tasks and you're, you're working towards the right goals, it's really important just to, just to go ahead and do it. 